0: Hello there, and welcome to the Rhode Island Youth Mental Health Webinar Series. This week's topic, Talk, They Hear You, Talking with Your Teen About Alcohol, Drugs, and Choices, presented by Colleen Judge and Diane Ferrara. Remember, your feedback is important to us. Please fill out the survey in the description down below for your chance to win a $100 gift card. Thank you.
1: Welcome everyone, and thank you for attending the 12th offering in our fall webinar series, Talk, They Hear You, talking with your teen about alcohol, drugs, and choices, presented by Colleen Judge and Diane Ferrara. I'm Katie Hamill, a Rhode Island Student Assistance Services, Student Assistance Counselor, and Project Manager for this webinar series. This series is brought to you by RISAS, with funding from the Department, Rhode Island Department of Health and focuses on youth mental health trauma and the unique role that parents, educators, and communities play in fostering resilience in youth. Please sign in in the chat box with your name, your affiliation, and your role. If you're watching a recorded version, located below this video, you will see a description box with links to our website and Facebook page where we will let you know when more content like this will be released. In addition, don't forget to complete the post-survey. By completing this survey, you will have the ability to receive a certificate of completion, CEUs, and be entered into a drawing to win a $100 gift card. Before introducing our presenters, I wanted to tell you about our next webinar scheduled for December eighth at 630 on the topic of rethinking language expectations, the role of parents and teachers in reframing communication in schools with Dr. Silas O. R. Pinto. To register for these and our other webinars, please go to our website at www.risas.org We are extremely fortunate to bring you Colleen Judge and Diane Ferrara. Colleen Judge is the Director of School-Based Services at Rhode Island Student Assistance Services. She is a licensed mental health counselor with over 25 years experience in the counseling field, including providing substance use prevention and early intervention services in schools as a student assistance counselor and individual and family therapy in private practice. Colleen received a master's degree in human development and family relations from the University of Connecticut. She has her own personal experience raising four young adults. Diane Ferrara is a clinical supervisor at Rhode Island Student Assistance Services, where she has been employed since 2001. She spent 19 of those years as a student assistance counselor at Pilgrim High School in Warwick. Prior to that, she had a 12 year career and early education. In addition, Diane has been in private practice since 1999. She received her BS in human development, counseling, and family relations from URI and her MSW from Boston University. So without further ado, I will turn this over to Colleen and Diane.
2: Thank you, Katie. Welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us this evening. Colleen and I would like this to be an interactive experience for you more of a conversation than a lecture. Since the number one rule of parenting is do not lecture, we'd like to be good role models for you and avoid lecturing. So please join us in this conversation as much as that is possible in this virtual meeting world by typing your questions into the chat box as we go. We invite you to ask questions about how to handle specific situations. That being said, keep in mind we're being recorded So feel free to say, asking for a friend. One last thing, we'd love for you to keep your camera on, but we also understand that some of you may not feel comfortable doing so. The teen years are considered to be from ages 13 to 19. But as we all know, some 10-year-olds are often essentially teenagers. We're curious to know what the ages are of the teens represented here tonight. Please type into the chat, the ages of the teens in your lives. How old is the teen that has brought you to this webinar tonight? I'm gonna leave it up to Colleen to say 13.
0: I can see the chat. 19, 18, 12, 19, 17.
2: So as we expected, it's a wide range of ages. What you'll notice as we go forward is that some of our suggestions will be appropriate for younger teens And some for older teens. What we'd like is for you to take what you need and leave the rest and we encourage you to be creative with the information that we're sharing with you tonight. Because parenting is an art more than it's a science, so you need to be creative. One thing remains the same no matter what the age of your team, you matter. They are listening to what you're saying. So here are our objectives. One, We'd like you to understand why it's important for parents and caregivers to have conversations with teens about substance use. And then we'd also like you to be able to, by the end of our webinar, we'd like you to be able to identify key moments to approach the subject of substance abuse with your teen and to communicate in a way that is going to let your teen be more likely to listen to what you have to say. And finally, we're gonna provide you with examples of impactful conversations that caregivers or parents can have with their teens about issues of alcohol marijuana vaping or abuse those are our objectives for tonight this next slide is sometimes sometimes being a parent of a teenager can feel like a thankless job especially when they lock themselves behind closed doors for most of the time they're home or they roll their eyes and turn up their nose at you when you're talking I'm hoping that this next slide that I'm going to show you will offer you a little bit of comfort. The following statements came directly from teens via student assistance counselors. Student assistance counselors, or SACs, as they are lovingly referred to, work directly with teens in middle and high schools throughout the state around substance use prevention and early intervention. The SACs asks students this question, what do you wish you could tell your parents? Here are some of their responses. I worry that our dog is secretly your favorite kid. I wish you knew how important it was that, I, that you never miss my game. I can study with my headphones on. I can't tell you when I'm sad because it makes you too worried. I'm trying. It's hard for me to admit that you're right about my acts. And lastly, and most importantly, even it when it looks like I'm ignoring you. I am listening, maybe not all the time, but more than you know. These statements warm my heart. I hope that they might do the same for you. Your teens are listening, watching, and thinking about you, even when they look like they're not paying attention. They really are. If you'd like to read more, uh, more of these responses, you can go online. These quotes are in a book that was created and published by And County and South County Prevention Coalitions. A handy little booklet that has a bunch of information in it that I think you might find helpful. Now I'm going to turn it over to Colleen so she can explain to you in further detail why you matter.
0: And I'm going to warm everyone's hearts with statistics. (laughs) Thank you, Diane. (laughs) We we often ask kids why they try alcohol and drugs to begin with. But equally important is really it's why they don't use. And studies show us that three out of four teens say that their parents were the biggest reason not to drink or smoke. And this comes from the National Annual Drug Use Survey called Monitoring the Future. What teens are saying is they don't want to disappoint their parents. Kids don't want to disappoint parents that they feel a positive connection with. And aside from parental influence, does anyone want to try to guess What's the top most widely stated reason that teens don't drink or use drugs? Just curious what people think. You have a strong influence. Any other ideas why they choose not to? Super simple. Your thoughts on this? I'll give you the answer. Essentially it's they don't feel like being high. Survey says that's the number one reason they don't feel like it. We know from many years of counseling experience that people use drugs and alcohol to feel or not to feel, to not feel. In other words, people use drugs to chase a feeling they want to have or to escape a feeling that they don't wanna have. So as parents, we, we can't make our kids' lives perfect, but we can help them experience life in a way that supports them so that they continue to not feel like getting high. Having supportive conversations with our teens is one way that we can help our teens not want or need to change how they feel inside. That being said, um, these are the latest results from the 2021 Rhode Island Student Survey. It's a survey done in middle and high schools throughout the state of Rhode Island. And it shows us that teens are struggling with lots of emotions. One out of every five students reported feeling very sad in the last 30 days, and more than a quarter of them reported feeling hopeless about the future. It's been a tough, intense couple of years. Most teens, however, are not struggling with major mental health issues. Most are just growing up and experiencing normal developmental emotional growth. Teens have very sensitive emotional parts of their brain, their amygdala, is a part of their brain that's like a car alarm, and it, it, goes, it can go off if you just brush up against it. So their everyday emotions can seem like upheaval. And we can help our teens understand that uncomfortable feelings such as sadness, disappointment, fear, worry, they're all a natural part of life. Emotions themselves are short-lived. They typically last seconds to minutes. Moods last longer hours or days. When we teach our teens how to handle emotions, they're better able to handle moods. And we can role model how to handle feelings. And we'll talk a little more later about handling our own emotions when we take on those challenging conversations with our teens. Most important is to create an environment that's warm and accepting so that our teens feel supported when they do feel those inevitably strong emotions one child using alcohol or drugs is one too many. Just to give you some perspective on the prevalence of substance use among teens, most teens between the ages of 12 to 17 don't drink or use drugs. According to the 2020 Rhode Island Student Survey, approximately 13% of middle school and high school youth used marijuana in the past 30 days and about the same number used alcohol. This means, this is the positive stuff, that out of every 100 students 87 did not use. Now this is important to know because many people believe that all teens drink, all smoke, um, and that it's a rite of passage when in fact it's not true of today's teens. If we believe it's expected that they'll experiment with alcohol or marijuana, that's the message we'll be giving them and we need to give them a message that we expect that they won't use. or a little more than one out of every 10 teens surveyed uh, vaped nicotine. That's down from 2018-19. Hopefully, we're getting the message across, but unfortunately, cigarette use went up. And about 2% misused prescription medication, which is always a very, very serious concern. If we look at high school students only, it's on the right in yellow. 17% or almost one out of every five used alcohol and about the same percentage used marijuana closely followed by vaping, but looking at middle school only in the green, only about six or 6.5% use those substances. So substance use is at lower rates in younger students and rises significantly from middle to high school. So it's important to talk to your children early before they start. Keep in mind, just because you talked with them about it when they were younger, doesn't mean you can't say it again. It's never too late. And we we expect our kids to stay away from risky substance use, but we also expect them to take some risks in life. Teens are natural risk takers and their brains aren't fully developed until at least age 25. The inner brain or that emotional part of their brain develops before the frontal lobe or that decision-making part or impulse control part of their brain. And it's natural for them to explore and be sensation-seeking. It's just as natural for us parents to talk with our kids about the risks of running into the road to chase a ball, riding a bike without a helmet, avoiding studying to play video games. It's our job as parents to teach our children about risks and rewards in life. And we all perceive some things as riskier than others. If you look at the the shorter line at the bottom of this graph, It indicates that Rhode Island students perceive marijuana to be less risky than alcohol, vaping, or other drugs. And this is concerning. As parents, we want to raise the perception of risk or raise their awareness about how harmful drugs and alcohol can be. In the same way that we would say, I worry about you staying up so late because lack of sleep can affect your concentration and mood. We can say, I worry about you trying marijuana because if you smoke while you're young and your brain is still developing, it can affect your learning, your memory or motivation. And the best approach is one that offers credible, honest information and not scare tactics. Scare tactics get attention, but they don't necessarily create those impactful conversations between kids and parents that we wanna talk about today. But let's talk more about what does work.
2: So Colleen's made a really good point of telling us that you matter that your teens are paying attention to you but let's take a moment to reflect right we were all teens at one point let's use that experience to guide us i'd like you to just take a moment now to call to mind an adult who you listened to when you were a teen what do you remember about that person what was it about that person that had an impact on you if you're comfortable doing so please share in the chat the qualities or characteristics that came to mind. They were honest and cared a lot. They used humor to keep things light, yes. They were kind and listened to me, Definitely listening, yeah. Thank you, all of you, for sharing those qualities that came to mind. They were paying attention to what I was doing and expressed concern. These are all right on on target of things that we're gonna be talking about tonight. Yes, and let's keep those qualities and characteristics in mind as we move forward with this presentation. These attributes are just as important as the words you may say when talking with teens. Being respectful, open, and accepting carry a great deal of weight with teens. They are actually essential to gaining a teen's attention and trust. Remember, none of us want to feel judged, especially not teens. There was one more comment in the chat that I missed. What did I miss? Someone said, Um, like,
0: language arts teacher gave me good advice on friends.
2: Ah, excellent, right? Good advice. Really good point. Yeah, Incredible advice. Now, let's take a moment to talk about how do you get these conversations started? When's the right time to do that? Finding the right time to bring up sensitive subjects with teens can be a challenge. A simple way to do that is to make regular conversations part of your routine. We refer to these times as key moments, interactions with your team that happen on a regular basis. Times like sitting down for meals, driving in the car, picking them up after practice, shopping, cooking, or watching a show together. These are perfect times for bringing up topics like drug and alcohol use, as long as you keep it short and sweet. Coming up soon, we're gonna show you a one minute video that is an excellent example of how to make the most of a key moment. I just saw something in the chat, is it it a question? It is,
0: a comment from Terry. Yes. I like what you said about being informed about marijuana before you speak to your team. There's so much mixed information. What source do you recommend? We are going to go there. I think that's conversation goal number three.
2: Right. We will get there. And they're in the resources at the end of the PowerPoint. Thanks, Terry. Okay, so before we move on to the video, I just want to say a little bit more about um, using key moments to express your love and show your team you're on their side. For example, when your teen gets in the car after school, rather than asking, how is your day? A simple statement like, I'm so happy to see you, is a way to express your love that lets your team know that you're happy to have them in your life even if that might not always be true when they're acting not their best. Just saying a statement like that, when you can get to a place where it feels very heartfelt, is a great way of just connecting with kids. Another example of using a key moment to strengthen your bond with your team is making a point to acknowledge the positive things that your team does. For instance, while sharing a snack, use the moment to say something like, thank you for taking the dog for a walk today, it means a lot to me when you do that without having to be told. It shows me that you're really growing up and becoming responsible. It's never too late to start doing this. And it can take some forethought and maybe even some practice to start making these statements of love and expression of concern. If you're anything like me, intend toward focusing on the what needs to be improved rather than what's going well. So for instance, when I would see my son, I would typically comment and criticize on his appearance. I had to work on learning to express my joy for seeing him. These little expressions of love, I think of as structural integrity for your relationship with your child. By taking the time to notice the positive and express your love in little ways on a regular basis, you're strengthening your connection. In marriage counseling, we teach couples that there needs to be a five to one ratio. That means there needs to be five positive interactions to every one negative interaction in order for the marriage to be successful. The same can be said for our relationships with our children. Making the most of key moments is really priceless. It's that in structural integrity. Final thoughts on this topic, it's never too late to start using key moments to connect with your team and it doesn't need to happen every single day. So here's the video I mentioned earlier it's an example of an impactful conversation at a key moment, and as you watch, I'd like you to pay particular attention to the dad's body language, tone of voice, and word choice. Let's see and watch what you notice. Oh, hey, bud. Oh. Where, uh, where are you headed? Uh, just gonna hang out. It's a school night
0: with Gary and Todd.
2: Yeah. Okay, so what do you think? What did you notice? Please type your comments and thoughts in the chat. You may have noticed some things about that video that I didn't notice. Sticks out to me is dad's, um, well, he's awkward and he's uncomfortable, but he's doing it anyway, right? He was unsure of himself and felt uncomfortable. He might not have had the best words word choice, but he made a point, right? Let's let dad's attempt even if he's unsure, right? It's awkward. I, I like, you know, it's his whole body language. His hands were in his pocket. He wasn't, he was non threatening. Yeah. Um, and he said, I've been meaning to say this to you. So he let him know that he's, that he let his son know that he's been thinking about this. And yeah, Terry, at the end, the eye contact, they connected. At first, dad was kind of, yeah. And, and the other things that I've noticed is that, yeah, he was speaking from his heart, wasn't he, Kathy? Authentic. He wasn't judgmental, he wasn't harsh. He mentioned the two boys, the friends' names, but he didn't say anything about them. He just thought um, that he, you know, he wasn't too sure about those, those friends. I think it's just a really accurate description of, um, of what we actually go through as parents. And it's making the step, taking the step to do that, actually have the conversation. Again, it's not so much the words you use, but the way in which you say them. One more. I
0: love the the metaphor at the end the metaphor of the helmet in a sense it actually shows that they've had conversations before because they sort of gesture to each other in this knowing way wow you know it's that take their helmet take your helmet and be safe so it kind of gave the sense that this conversation isn't the first one even though it was awkward you know it looked like there was some experience between the two of them having these conversations
2: thank you colleen wasn't doing it in an authoritative way. Um, but actually, we're gonna, watch, we're gonna watch another video in just a minute too, but before I show you that video, I just wanna talk about a different kind of key moment. This is a teachable moment. This is when a major event happens in your community or the world. It may be something that your child tells you about as um, in my friend went to the hospital because he drank too much, or it might be something that you experience with your child like you go to a family function and a relative becomes intoxicated, or you learn from another parent that a teammate was suspended for smoking marijuana. These are teachable moments or opportunities to inquire about your teen's opinion and perspective and offer guidance and clear, and clear expectations. So let's watch this video now and see how this dad handles this teachable moment, and then we'll come back and chat about it.
0: Email from school. about the incident today?
2: Scary. Tell me about it. Did you have any idea that was going on? Okay. Comments on that interaction between father and daughter? What did you notice? Even if you noticed similarities between the other video on this. Yeah, Terry, he was, he was very direct. Yeah. I think he had a little bit of a firmer tone to his voice. He wasn't afraid of the conversation. No, he went right forward. He got that text message and he went right to it. Yes, I level with her, Kathy. Yes, the dad had a good response to her saying, he didn't let her get away with that, right? He was just saying, yeah, kids still need to tell. They definitely had these conversations before too, Katie. I agree, right, right? So it's not their ongoing conversation. And yes, Maria, he was respectable, right? He didn't get angry. He didn't even say, he didn't say anything that, uh, belittled her of the situation. He was asking and listening to her her perspective on it. Um, and I think it's interesting because we don't actually know what incident or event occurred at school. So it could be a, this scenario. It could be for a variety of different topic, topics. Well, thanks for joining us, Terry. See you later. And what I thought, you know, how these these two videos are similar is that both parents they kept it short and they express their love and concern for their child while setting firm limits. The dad in the first scenario talked about why he thought, why he didn't want his son to drink alcohol, the dangers of it. They didn't lecture, neither parent lectured. I feel like I'm lecturing. (laughs) More of these videos can be found online. You just have to Google Talk They Hear You. There's a variety of topics, not just even around um, drug and alcohol use. There's also an app for your phone that's really fun to use. All right, moving on, time to take another pause. One of my favorite things to do, stop, to pause and reflect. This time, I'd like you to stop to think about the many great things that you are already doing as a parent or kid. One thing I know for sure is that your presence here tonight is an indication of how much you care about your team. So now I'd like you to take a minute to reflect on yourself and give yourself some credit what kinds of things pop into your head? Things that we've mentioned tonight or things that we haven't already? What kinds of things are you doing for your children or teens?
0: Well, My teens are young adults now, and I'm happy they still talk to me <laughs> and yeah. still connect. So lots of text messaging chats.
2: Yeah, hey, team, yeah please kids put them in the chat. Game. Try to make it to old soccer games. That's really great, mm-hmm. Michelle. We saw that at the beginning. It means a lot to kids when, when you show up. Yeah, Elizabeth reaching out even, but it's not welcome. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard to do that, isn't it? But yeah, it's making that effort. They feel, act like they don't care. Oh, a weekly coffee date, that's great. Yeah, specific bonding time, daily drop off at mm-hmm. the bus, and a quick morning check-in and how things are going at school. Yeah, showing interest, right? Showing interest without prying too much. One of the things I used to do is when my son would come home really late from his gymnastics practice, and I'd already eaten dinner, but I would just make sure I sat down at the counter while he ate. Just getting that time to connect. Yeah, great. It's just really important for you to be thinking about the things that you're doing. Remember, what I want to say is, remember that nobody does it all, and nobody does it all right. We don't need to be perfect parents or caregivers, but we need to be willing to continue to grow and learn. As your child grows, so will your approach to parenting. We hope that this webinar will help you add one or two new ideas or approaches to your parenting.
0: And there are other ways that we communicate with our kids other than actual conversations. Today, we're focusing on the conversation, but there's simple eye contact, spending time together. There are small things, and I think you gave some examples. Today, we're just going to focus on actually having those conversations. So communication, Diane and I have over 50 years of combined experience working with parents and teens and we've raised our own children. So there's so much that we could share. So this is going to be sort of a summary or a drive through lesson in communication. The best place to start, start by calming yourself when you're about to approach a conversation with your team. Be certain that you're ready to talk and ready to listen. Just pause, breathe. And the best mind to bring to a conversation is an open mind. So be truly interested in what they have to say and ask open-ended questions. And focus completely on your team. I think some of you mentioned you know, quick check-ins. It doesn't have to be a long conversation. It can be quick, but a total focus. Making dinner, there can be a lot of whirlwind activity in a home. So just pausing and taking a little bit of time to fully use active listening. And active listening is when you let your team know that they're understood by reflecting back what you hear so they know you heard what it was they said. And always use those I statements. I statements let you express yourself without without your team feeling judged, blamed, or attacked. Another great marriage counseling tip, to, tip as well works with our children. And it goes something like this. When you don't come home on time, I worry that something terrible has happened. What I need is for you to call me as soon as you know you're going to be late so that I know that you're okay. So the focus is on the I, and not so much what they're doing. Accept what they have to say. You might not like what they have to tell you, but if you want to have a productive conversation, be open to hearing about their experience. That's their world. It's how they view the world. That's how they experienced what happened. You might have a different interpretation, but your child is more likely to be receptive to you if you're receptive to their experience. And always, of course, offer empathy and support, and let your child know that you understand. that teen years can be tough. Whatever their behavior is—drugs, alcohol—they're um, not the a useful or healthy way to cope with problems. So remind your remind your child that you're there for support, for guidance, and that it's important to you that they're healthy, happy, and that they make safe choices drive through words of wisdom. And these are some conversation goals um, we want to share with you. These are five conversation goals, and we hope that they will be used as guides. And they come directly from SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse Mental Health Services Administration's Prevention Campaign. And we're going to present them to you. And then we'd love to open this webinar up to discussion with your mics on so that we can actually have a conversation together. Um, We'll do it tiny bit of lecturing first. Conversation goal number one. This comes actually in a handy dandy brochure that you can keep around, but show you disapprove of underage drinking and other drug use. And do this by giving a clear message, a clear no use message. For example, it might sound like this. We have certain expectations in our family and the most important ones are focused on your health and safety. That includes staying away from alcohol or any kind of drug, at least until your brain is fully developed. Very simple, very clear, very brief. Or maybe you have a family history and you're worried about their biological predisposition to develop a problem. You might say, we have a family history of alcohol problems. You and I have talked about my grandmother and my uncle and how they struggled. It's important to me that you remember that trying alcohol or any substance at a young age will put you more at risk of developing a problem than the average person. It's of course helpful to be an informed parent, like knowing that the earlier a person starts using alcohol or drugs, the faster they'll develop a dependency on the substance. And that's why young people get addicted to vaping so quickly. In a matter of weeks, their young brain is hijacked and addiction can set in. In fact, there's some evidence that their brain may be being primed for addiction to other substances. So there's a lot of information to it, but you don't have to have all of it. Um, But it's important to not assume that they know how you feel about drinking and substance use. Send a clear message, a clear and strong message that you disapprove of any substance use at a young age. And of course, deliver that message
2: with kindness and with respect. Show your care about your teen's health, wellness, and success. Teens are more likely to listen to you when they feel you are on their side. Remember earlier when I said, if you want your teen to listen to you, start by listening to them? Well, let me give you an example of what I mean. Let's say you get a call from your daughter's school to inform you that she was caught vaping in the bathroom. You need to go pick her up because she's being suspended. On the way to school, take some time to reflect. Think about how you want to handle the situation. A conversation doesn't have to happen immediately. It's okay to say when you pick your daughter up, I'm concerned about what happened. We'll talk about it a little later. I'm going to take some time to think about this. By doing so, you're telling your daughter you care about her well-being. In fact, you care so much that you wanna make sure that you can have a calm and thoughtful conversation with her. At this point, your daughter might not be in a place to have a conversation with you either. She's probably feeling upset about what happened. When you do get around to having the conversation with her, whether it's immediately or later, start with an open-ended question like, what happened? This lets her know that you're interested in her experience, thoughts, and feelings. She might tell you she was curious and wanted to try vaping, or she might tell you that she's feeling stressed and thinks that the vaping helps her. Her responses will guide the direction of your conversation. Listening to what she has to say, shows her you are on her side. Then you can weave in statements of concern for her well-being, along with factual information about the harmful effects of vaping. Something like, I'm concerned because the younger you are, when you start vaping, the more likely you are to become addicted to nicotine because your brain is still developing. Let's talk about other ways to handle stress. So you're showing concern for the teen's health, and wellness and success.
0: Goal number three, show that you're a good source of information about alcohol and other drugs. And I think Terry's comment before, or question before Mm. I will answer here, show that you're a good source of information. You, you want your team to make informed decisions about alcohol and other drugs with reliable information about its dangers you don't want him or her to learn from unreliable sources and she's right there are a lot of unreliable sources out there so establish yourself as a trustworthy source of information you might have to do a little bit of homework but you don't have to be an expert on different types of cannabis or nicotine's effects on the brain it just means be willing to seek the information or be willing to be aware of what's trending for example if your teen says Mom, people smoked weed when you were a teenager and they turned out okay. They might even say that about you. An informed response might include, the marijuana of today is significantly stronger than years ago and more harmful. The THC in it can be two to three times more potent than it was 20 years ago. So if you don't have that information, you're not sure, you can consider looking up that information together. If your teen says something like marijuana helps with sleep or focus, show them where credible information about it can be found plenty of resources i have a whole slide with those some of those resources right at the end of this presentation SAMHSA, substance abuse mental health services administration website has a wealth of information nida or the national institute on drug abuse does as well and they even have a page just for teens and it's interactive and almost like some game playing where they can learn about drugs and alcohol and get credible information, the Partnership to End Addiction. I think it used to be the Partnership for Drug-Free Kids, a wealth of information. And I believe that might be where these com- or the conversation goals came from SAMHSA's talk, They Hear You, but um, partnership has a ton of information, whether you're the young person in your life is using or whether you're, you're talking with them really early. And there are seven regional prevention coalitions in Rhode Island. And they're excellent, and they provide up-to-date information for their communities as well. And I will um, send their uh, the link to their websites in our resources. And I think you know, other than that, I, I want to just share my all-time favorite statement from a teen that warrants an informed response, which is, "But everybody vapes, or everybody drinks, or everybody smokes weed." I think uh, when I've done these parent presentations frequently parents are asking about how do I respond to that and you know if your teen says this you might ask a little more about why it seems that way to them it is possible maybe the kids they hang out with all do smoke or drink you know that certainly would be a red flag and you will need to be ready to listen and hear about their experience and you might not like it but you can also help them understand that Teens tend to overestimate their peers' substance use. There's an old saying that bad decisions make good stories, and we're all hardwired to be drawn to negative information. You know, like the big headlines, they tend to be very negative. So it seems like everybody's doing it, when in fact they're not. And so that's factual information for teens. It feels to them like everyone's doing it. Um, there's, There's a lot less bragging about or posting about the times that teens are home watching TV with their little sister or hanging out at the mall, and that's something that you can have a conversation with them about.
2: Goal number four, show you're paying attention and you will discourage risky behaviors. Young people are more likely to drink or use drugs if they think no one will notice. So it's important to show that you're aware of what your teen's doing. Simply things like... I heard there was a party over the weekend where some soccer players were drinking alcohol. What do you think about that? No judgment, just inviting your child's perspective. Or, hey, I noticed there was a lighter on your desk. I haven't seen that before. What's up with that? The goal here is not to get specific information. This is just a great opportunity to let your son or daughter teen, know that you're paying attention and noticing. It can even be a matter of, um, See, it's, it, if it's not about drugs or alcohol, you're, you're noticing what they're doing. If you say, hey, I saw your skateboard out in the front yard today. I haven't seen that in a while. Where did you go on it? Looking for a way to show that you're paying attention and to connect with them. It's also a great opportunity to drop to drop a one-liner. So if you're talking about the party the, that the soccer players are drinking at, you can also say something like, I hope you know I expect that you'll stay away from drugs and alcohol. Again, direct quick, to the point, clear, but said with concern, not judgment or disciplinary invoice. That's goal number four.
0: Goal number five, build your teen's skills and strategies for avoiding drinking and drug use. Even if you don't think your child wants to drink or try other drugs, there's lots of kids that really are just not into it. Your Peer pressure can be a powerful thing. Peer pressure isn't that sort of um, typical or stereotypical middle school bully cornering a kid and saying, Hey, if you don't drink this, you won't be cool. It's more about that internal pressure. A youth puts on themselves to be like others, or to be connected and included as part of the group. So it's really more of an internal pressure than an external peer pressure. So aside from encouraging substance-free activities, which we all wanna do as parents, help them make a plan. Having a plan to avoid alcohol and drug use can help children make better choices. Talk with your children about what they would do if they were faced with a difficult decision. You can practice saying no thanks with them in a safe environment and keep it low key. And don't worry, you don't have to get everything across in one talk plan to check in frequently with quick chats and keep those lines of communication open. Practice saying no thanks with them in that safe environment. Even if you do, I was talking to a a young man who's a junior in high school and involved in school and very confident and he went to the bathroom and a a kid, I think (laughs) the boy asked him if he had any drugs and he got, he, he said he was just completely bumbling and he had had some thoughts about what he would say before, and he felt confident, but he never really practiced responding to something like that. So you can sit with them and practice saying, no, I'm not into that. No, are you kidding? My mom would kill me. Or, oh no, I gotta get home and walk my dog. So help them out with that. Or you can actually take it a step further and make an exit plan with them. And I'll give you an example of that. your child might be in a situation where they're with others and something happens, where they need your help getting out of the situation. Help them by planning escape routes or exit plans in advance. This might be a simple SOS plan. Your child texts the letter X to you, and that's a signal, a previously agreed upon signal that something's up and they need a way out. An X plan's an agreement that if your teen's in a sticky situation, You'll come get them. No questions asked at all, or at least no questions asked right away. And you can make an agreement that you're glad they asked for your help. And they can can tell you more about the situation when they're ready and that you won't pry. The X that the teen sends flags the parent to call the teen back and act like there was a big family emergency. For example, the parent calls the teen back and says, hey, something's come up and I need to come get you right away. What? What happened, mom? I'll tell you when I get there, be ready in five minutes. So then they have to rally and, you know, in a sense, don't have enough time to explain to their friends or have to wiggle out of the situation. And if if the X doesn't work for you, I know I always had a code word or code sentence with my kids. Um, It could be a code word like monkey. It could be, how did grandma's surgery go? And, you know, grandma didn't have surgery. So, you know, that's, they're flagging you for help. Or you can download an app that actually guides you in this process. I think um, what I, what I'm showing you on the screen here, the X plan for teens is an app and it actually will set up the latitude and longitude. It'll tell you where the, where the cell phone is, and it will hook you into, um, you know, people to call. And it's, uh, this is important, I think too. It's, not hypocritical to tell your teen that you expect that they will not drink or use drugs and that there will be consequences if they do, but also to tell them that you will rescue them if they do make a risky or an unhealthy decision. It's actually consistent with communicating how much you care about their safety and how much you love them. And a lot of parents don't feel comfortable with that. They think it's hypocritical. It is a consistent message about Love, loving them, caring about them and communicating with them. And also tell your teen about the Good Samaritan law. It's a law that's in place to protect a call for help and an alcohol or an opioid overdose situation. They won't get in trouble if they call for help. That's very important for them to know. Regardless of the procedure that you use, give them an out. And you know, remember when I mentioned their frontal lobe of their brain is not fully developed, these are the situations where we actually want to act as their frontal lobe. Most of what we're talking about is engaging with them, connecting with them, being that parent that they don't want to disappoint. Um, there are situations where we want to kind of get in front of them and be their frontal lobe for them. This is you, Diane.
2: Here's what I have planned to say. Speaking of exits, I'd like to end this with some words of wisdom from author Toni Morrison. I said it's interesting. To see when a kid walks in the room, your child or anybody else's child, do you, does your face light up? Just mimics what Toni Morrison is saying. And if we want, if there's one thing that you take away from that, from this webinar tonight, that's what we hope that you take away. Make them, leave them feeling like you've seen them and heard them and are happy to have them in your lives.
0: I didn't want to skip that.
2: I think it's lovely.
0: So. These are some of the resources, and we will send these out to you. And as well, um, this is. Um, these are some of the resources if you're really concerned about your teen, if there's a mental health crisis. And I'm gonna stop sharing
2: my screen.
0: This is our email addresses. We'd love to hear from you. If you're willing to turn your cameras on, say hello, ask any questions.
1: I'll take a leap of faith here. <laughs> <laughs> How you guys doing? Uh, Well, and I I was the one that put in the chat
0: about having a a weekly coffee date. And I, I guess I'm just sharing it for the other parents as a tip, like because like what Toni Morrison was saying there, you know, in the
1: house, I feel like I'm always critical. Get this done, do that. Have you done that mm-hmm. yet? Blah, blah. And I'm sure it's, I, I get tired of hearing myself. But mm-hmm. when we're out of the house and spending time together specifically, it's more of like, hey, what are your friends up to? What music are you listening to? And it's more of a, a dialogue. And it's been great. Um, it's it's really helped strengthen our relationship. So, um, yeah, just a little bit. And sometimes it's just a half hour a week. But it's it's nice because it changes the dynamic.
2: hmm As much for you as for your son, right? I hope hope for him. It's definitely for me. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Yeah, You're connecting and you're making memories. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I have a friend who jokes about that a lot with her kids. Oh, mom, are we doing this again? We're making memories. And, you know, there's sights, sounds, and smells, you know, that go along with those memories. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay.
2: Great. Michelle, like that exoplan.
0: Great. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I used that with my kids. I, um, my oldest son, there were a few scenarios where um, we had, we really sat down and made plans together and um, sometimes he would make me the bad guy. My mom is really not going to like this. Any other thoughts, questions?
1: Thank you. Thank you all for joining us and for your input. Yes, thank you so much, uh, Colleen and Diane. So um, for participants, thank you for attending. Remember to complete the survey in order to get your certificate of completion. CEUs, a chance to win a $100 gift card. The link is in the chat. We hope to see you back on December 8th at 6.30 for Rethinking Language Expectations, the Role of Parents and Teachers in Reframing Communication in Schools. Thanks so much, everybody, for attending.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this audio lecture and would like to hear more like it in the future, please remember to like, share, and subscribe. To find more information on RiceAS, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and on our website, all down in the description below. And remember, please fill out the survey in the description down below for your chance to win a $100 gift card.
1: Thank you.